0: Former President Donald Trump was arrested and arraigned in a Miami federal courthouse this past Tuesday. This is the first time a former president was federally indicted. Welcome to the Talking Points podcast. I am your host, Benjamin Schiller. In today's podcast, you will hear from our team of analysts giving you the latest details and analysis of an unprecedented day in American history. Talking Points analyst Luke Radel joins us now to tell us why Trump is facing up to 400 years behind
1: bars. Special counsel Jack Smith revealed the 49 page indictment of Donald Trump late last week that lays out the details surrounding the 37 felony counts against the former president. The style of the filing is called a speaking indictment, meaning that the document is meant to speak for itself and allow prosecutors a chance to show the court and, in a high profile case like this one, the American public, exactly what the prosecutors are looking to allege in this case. According to the special counsel, here's what happened. While president, Trump had access to all kinds of classified materials, including information relating to national security, military strategy, and top secret intelligence operations. Now, during his presidency, he gathered many of these artifacts, along with newspaper clippings, photographs, letters, and these official documents, and put them into cardboard boxes, which were stored at the time in the White House. But then when he had to move out of the White House, he caused scores of these boxes, many of which contained classified documents, to be transported to the Mar-a-Lago Club in Palm Beach, Florida, even though he was not authorized to possess or retain these documents. Smith continues, "...the classified documents stored in these boxes included information regarding defense and weapons capabilities of both the United States and foreign countries, our nuclear programs, and potential vulnerabilities of the U.S. and its allies to military attacks." So not exactly the kind of thing you want sitting around unguarded in the shower of a Floridian and golf resort. Nevertheless, Trump did in fact store these boxes in a ballroom, a bathroom and a shower, an office space, his bedroom, and a storage room in the basement at the Mar-a-Lago Club. A club which was a hotspot for many social and political gatherings while simultaneously being an unauthorized storage site for hordes of classified material. Secret Service agents on site were there to protect the former president and his family and didn't even know that the documents were also in the building, which meant that there was no designated security for this highly sensitive material. Instead, the indictment shows that the documents were neglected. Smith includes photos of the boxes piled high up to the ceiling and one where the classified documents are spilled out onto the floor. The special counsel also says that on two occasions in 2021, the former president was showing off these classified documents to other people, including one meeting which was caught on audio tape. In July, Trump was speaking to ghostwriters for his former chief of staff Mark Meadows' book when he showed them a plan of attack that was drafted by his Joint Chiefs Chairman Mark Milley against Iran. Secret, he said. This is secret information. Look, look at this. He's on tape saying this to individuals who, of course, didn't have any security clearance, according to the indictment. Despite his repeated assertions that he had declassified all of the documents that he moved to Mar-a-Lago, Trump's taped confessions seems to contradict that claim. Trump apparently acknowledges the documents he was showing to other people were still secret and not, in fact, declassified. See, as president, I could have declassified it, he said. Now I can't, you know, but this is still a secret. The National Archives repeatedly asked Trump for months to return presidential records that were kept by him after his presidency. The indictment paints a picture of Trump personally selecting which documents he was willing to part ways with, ultimately sending back just 15 of the many, many boxes that he took with him from the White House. 14 of the 15 boxes contained classified documents, 197 in total. The archives soon referred the case to the Department of Justice. After receiving an FBI subpoena on May 11th of last year for any further classified material at Mar-a-Lago, Trump told his attorney, Everett Corcoran, maybe he shouldn't comply with a subpoena. I don't want anybody looking through my boxes, Trump said. I really don't. I don't want you looking through my boxes. Trump also asked Corcoran what would happen, quote, if we just don't respond at all or don't play ball with them. Wouldn't it be better if we just told them we don't have anything here? Trump then directed his personal aide, Walt Nada, to move the boxes before Corcoran, his own attorney, could search for records responsive to the subpoena so that Corcoran couldn't find them. All the box movements by Nada at Trump's direction were caught on Mar-a-Lago surveillance video that was later reviewed by the FBI and the federal grand jury. Now, as the son and grandson of many lawyers, let me give you a free piece of legal advice. Don't obstruct an FBI subpoena. And certainly don't do it on camera. After reviewing the videotapes, the grand jury asked a court to authorize a search warrant at Mar-a-Lago to seize any remaining classified material, since clearly the Trump team was not being honest about how much they had left. The search was ultimately carried out on August 8, 2022, and recovered over 100 classified documents, 75 in that Mar-a-Lago basement storage room, and 27 in Trump's personal office. So that's the timeline. What are the charges? Well, counts 1 through 31 are for the willful retention of national defense information under 18 U.S.C. Section 793, otherwise known as the Espionage Act. Each count is for one of the documents taken by Trump without authorization after his presidency, though the 31 documents that are charged here are not all of the documents recovered. It seems clear that Jack Smith selected potentially some of the worst of the documents or the ones that he feels can be disclosed at trial, meaning that there could be even worse classified material that Smith just doesn't want to get out there. Count 32 is conspiracy to obstruct justice regarding the agreement between Trump and NADA to conceal classified documents from the federal grand jury and their subpoena. And counts 33 through 37 are for the very lies and concealment by Trump to avoid returning these documents that he was never supposed to take with him in the first place. And his continued retention of this highly secretive material, according to the special counsel, put our national security at risk. For Talking Points, Luke Radel.
0: Talking Points Analyst Luke Radel, thank you. Next up in our coverage is Talking Points Analyst Harrison Calder. Harrison, thank you for joining us. Give us the full grasp of what happened in court during
2: Trump's arraignment on Tuesday. Jack Smith has a huge role in trying to take down the fellow New Yorker, former President Donald Trump. And we really have not seen much of Jack Smith here out in public until the day of the arraignment. He and the Justice Department really want to crack down on these 37 charges filed against former President Donald Trump. And they really want to get to that outcome ahead of the November 5th deadline in 2024, which is, of course, the 2024 presidential election. The prosecutors have a very tall task ahead of them because they will have to work with a selected jury. And that, of course, could be biased in either direction and if potentially in favor of Donald Trump might get a mistrial or potentially just a non-guilty verdict.
0: Now, following the arraignment, we saw Trump get into his motorcade and visit a local restaurant in Miami. This was definitely a surprise to the
2: viewers at home. So President Trump, after leaving the courtroom directly after his plea, he stops at Versailles, a very popular restaurant in Little Havana, Miami. And it really just showed what this whole ordeal means to him. It points out that all his mind is on is the 2024 presidential campaign. This uh, whole situation isn't something that's on his mind, and it isn't something he's worried about by any means. And that, in a sense, might bring us back to Jack Smith and his team about how they want to attack this. They might look into his carelessness, showing how he doesn't care. He's been in spots like this before where he's dealt with serious issues that he's kind of just brushed off and moved on with his life, and that's something that Jack Smith and his team will be looking to hold against him in this case. It's clear that the Department of
0: Justice is looking for a speedy trial here ahead of the bulk of the 2020 primary season. What's the
2: timeline for this case? So with former President Donald Trump pleading not guilty, this case should be expected to play out over a longer period of time because the longer it takes, the better it is for Trump. And his team, they want to drag this out, get through the presidential election in 2024. If they can and win, he would then be tried as a president compared to a U.S. citizen. A lot of that goes into it. And the prosecutors are going to look to attack President Trump, former President Trump, I should say, using these past examples. What's happened to him in similar situations that he has had throughout his life and going into a lot of depth about the documents found at Mar-a-Lago in Florida. In this case, really will be looked to be hurried by the prosecution, as they would love to send Trump behind bars again before this election rolls around.
0: Circling back to the question of what happened with Trump following his court appearance, he then traveled to New Jersey and gave a primetime speech. Walk us through what
2: he said during the speech. So after starting out the day in Miami, former President Donald Trump did what he did best, went up to New Jersey, gave his speech, and instantly started it off by going off on Jack Smith and President Joe Biden. He did this in a lot of ways and just showed the celebrity side of himself right away as he famously does. He brought up how Democrats were doing all of these things to lawyers involving leaking information and various things to make lawyers not seem as credible as they are, or at least in this case, not as what they used to be. And the crowd's antics, of course, all Trump supporters or at least somewhat in favor of former President Donald Trump, really showed how they only care about him becoming the president once again, they miss him in office, and how it doesn't seem like what this trial holds or brings matters to them whatsoever, regardless of this outcome.
0: Harrison Calder, thank you. Let's shift gears to why we are here in the middle of June, watching a former president get federally indicted. As we've heard from Luke and Harrison, this is something that we have never seen in American history. Talking Points analyst Dominic Chapone joins us now to give us a wider look at why this is happening. Dominic, thank you for joining us. Luke talked about earlier in the program about what Trump is being charged with. Can you elaborate on the numbers for us?
3: Yeah, so obviously there's a lot to unpack here over just the past few days, but the big number to keep in mind is 37. That is the total number of counts that former President Donald Trump is facing uh, and uh, is dealing with. 31 of which are accounts of woeful retention of national defense information uh, based on the indictment that was announced just a few days ago. This investigation has been led by the Department of Justice and has developed as momentum has built with latest developments over the past couple months dating back to earlier in the spring. And the biggest thing, of course, is that not only the number 37, just the amount of counts that President Trump is being charged with, a lot of them, again, relating to national defense information, this is the first time uh, in U.S. History that this has ever happened before, where a former sitting president has now been accused of the of a federal crime.
0: We've seen special counsel Jack Smith move in silence during this entire process, but we got the sense last week that this case was heating up when he was spotted in the Miami Federal Courthouse and when the grand jury was summoned. What can you tell us about this?
3: Yeah, so I mentioned that there's been a buildup of momentum by the Department of Justice to kind of get an answer to basically these bunch of documents that the former president had in his in his hands and in his possession after his term ended when he lost in the 2020 election to now President Joe Biden. So what we know, to keep a long story short, is that witnesses testified in front of a grand jury in Washington, D.C., which included former administration officials for the Trump administration. And they typically handled communication as well as national security, intelligence, uh, those sorts of departments. What we know is that through multiple subpoenas, the Trump's lawyers and his legal team were able to hand over some classified material over to the Justice Department. However, a good amount of it also was not kept uh, was not returned, including classified and top secret information, Uh, one of which which should be noted was a potential attack on Iran that was in that document that is still nowhere to be found uh, as of now. So the biggest thing to take away kind of from all of this is just the level of sensitive information and material that Trump has in his possession. And as the developments have came out, that eventually led to, on June 8th, a grand jury in Miami indicting Trump in connection uh, with those missing classified documents. And that includes retaining them, and then more importantly, obstructing justice and basically not allowing federal officials to go back and to retrieve them.
0: Since the Mar-a-Lago FBI raid in August, we have heard reports of now President Joe Biden and former Vice President Mike Pence having their own classified documents that they should not have had. Why were Pence and Biden not charged in their cases, but Trump was charged here?
3: Yeah. So so to clarify, this isn't the first time that a federal official has been caught with highly classified documents that were outside of the Washington, D.C. area. In fact, President Biden months ago was accused and caught of the same thing, having a document uh, at his office in the University of Delaware and in another location, and ditto for former Vice President Mike Pence. Now, what's the difference, though, between those two cases and what we're currently seeing right now with President Trump? For starters, there's the volume of it. With both Biden and Pence, you were talking about a handful of documents relative to the hundreds that were uncovered at President Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. The other big thing, and I think this is something that the Department of Justice has really honed in upon, is the lack of cooperation between Trump, his legal team, people around him, uh, his former advisors, former officials with the Justice Department to make sure that there was actually some answers to these questions they were clearly not getting. And that's been the biggest highlight, if you will. Of this whole Trump situation is kind of that lack of cooperation between those two parties. This is a big deal, though, because if we're looking at this from the political angle, the GOP and a lot of officials are kind of pointing the blame to putting those two things on an equal playing field, saying that the situation happening right now with Trump is a politically motivated attack and is on the same comparison, equal playing field. As Biden and Pence, only Trump is being politically harmed by it and nothing was done to hold Biden and Pence accountable. But obviously, when you look at the quantity of how many documents are available that the Trump team currently has, and also look to the lack of cooperation between Trump and with the Department of Justice, it's clear that there, these situations aren't quite exactly the same.
0: Harrison and I just talked to us about a moment ago, but what are you hearing about a potential legal outlook for Trump in this case?
3: Yeah, to be honest and to make a long story short, the legal outlook for this case that Trump is facing is ranging from unpredictable and unusual to we really do not know. And here's why. For starters, again, this is the first time ever that a former U.S. president is being uh, indicted at this level here with all these federal charges. And that already sets a, a, a course where we don't know what the stepping stones are moving forward for this case. The only thing we know right now is that he was arraigned in Miami on Tuesday And from there, there needs to be a whole month's worth in terms of trials, what evidence can be admitted, what evidence can't be admitted. So legally, there's obviously gonna be a lot to sort out there. The other thing though, is you have to look at this from the political angle, specifically the backdrop of the 2024 election. When we're taping this, we're still a year and change out from the 2024 election, but primary season is coming up. Multiple candidates on both sides have announced their candidacy to run for presidency. This is going to be something that will be in the headlines for a while right now, and it's kind of the cloud looming over the Trump candidacy, the idea of Trump having a second term here. This will be something that will dominate the headlines and be in the minds of voters moving forward, even heading up to Election Day.
0: Let's continue this conversation with Talking Points analyst Peter Barry. This is the second criminal indictment against Trump in a matter of months, the first case being the allegations of hush money being paid to Stormy Daniels, which of these cases poses a higher risk of danger... For the former president in terms of not being able to run again or even facing jail time.
4: The case that's going to be most detrimental to former President Donald Trump is going to be this classified documents case that is currently facing him. He has 37 charges against him, but they are all allegations. Even if he proven guilty, he could face several years in prison. He was asked previously by the federal government if he had classified documents, which he denied, and they got a search warrant for his Mar-a-Lago house and search and seized his house to find the classified documents in his bathroom, ballroom, all around his house, hidden and tucked away. Most of these documents were national security information, and it could threaten American citizens' safety.
0: Diving deeper into Trump's current legal battles, he just lost a civil case to author E. Jean Carroll. The jury deemed Trump guilty of sexual abuse and defamation. Carroll then sued Trump again for defamation following his recent CNN town hall remarks. Give us the latest on that matter.
4: So back in November in 2022, author E. Jean Carroll filed charges against Donald Trump for sexual assault and defamation. The trial was in April in 2023, and the verdicts came in May 2023, finding that there was defamation and sexual assault, and awarded author Eugene Carroll $5 million. However, there may be another lawsuit because Donald Trump went on CNN Town Hall with Caitlin Collins and said that Eugene Carroll was a quote-unquote whack job and didn't know this woman. So, E. Jean Carroll could be awarded up to $10 million, according to the New York Times.
0: Talking points analyst Peter Barry, thank you. The final analyst joining our program today is Noah Guthlash. We talked about how all these charges and allegations could hurt Trump legally, but let's show focus to how it could affect him politically. Noah, let's start with the potential backlash Trump could face on the campaign trail.
5: Well, I think it is possible that we could see some backlash from Republican primary voters against Trump. I don't think this will be the case. Like we saw with the last indictment, uh, he really didn't face any backlash. In fact, actually, he gained some support from the base uh, because many of them thought that, uh, the indictment was politically motivated. And I think that will likely be the case this time since many of them still, since many of the primary voters still have a favorable view of Trump. It's just that maybe they feel, you know, just that some may feel that he might not be the best candidate or they prefer the best candidate to win or that they might prefer someone else ideologically. I think that Trump... I think that Trump is still likely the front runner uh, for this race right as of right now, and I think that really the only way he will lose support is if another candidate just gains momentum through campaigning, maybe th- or you or you know through a debate. Uh, so I think for the next couple of months, we will probably see Trump be the front runner for the nomination still, even uh, despite this indictment.
0: Now, the New York and federal indictments can send Trump to prison if he is convicted. Is it possible to see Trump continue to run for president behind bars? Uh,
5: it is possible that Trump could still run for president at, while he is in jail. It actually has been done before. Uh, Eugene Debs, back in 1920, ran for president while he was in jail. Uh, now, Debs was a minor party candidate, but still got 3% of the vote. So... It is possible to do it. Now, the question is, is it feasible? And that really we can't answer right now, but I, but personally, I don't believe it is. I think that uh, it would be, mu- I think that just from an objective standpoint, it's a lot harder to get support when you can't be in front of people, you can't campaign, which Trump would not be able to do that if he was in jail. So I think that would be an issue. I also think that maybe, uh, the Republican Party might feel that that is a major hindrance, and could not, and could potentially even abandon him, and maybe replace his, replace him, or endorse someone else uh, in the party if he were if he was arrested and in jail. So I think that even though while it is technically possible, I think that it just wouldn't be ideal, or frankly, realistic for. Republicans to run him as their candidate and expect to win. So I think at so I think at the end of the day, if he was arrested, that would likely end his candidacy either as either in the primary or in the general with the Republican Party. Let's talk about reactions on a broader scale. How have Republicans reacted to these new charges against Trump? The response from the twenty twenty four Republican primary field has been a bit mixed to the indictment. Vivek Ramaswamy has been the most uh, pro-Trump and has said that he would pardon Trump if he became president. Uh, then there's Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, and Mike Pence, who have all criticized Trump's conduct and believe that he was irresponsible, but also said that it was politically motivated and that uh, the uh, the Biden DOJ and the FBI were going against Trump specifically. Uh, Nikki Haley said that he was reckless and that he put uh, this nation's troops uh, in danger with it by keeping these classified documents, but believe that it is politically motivated. Similar, th- similar remarks were made by Pence and Tim Scott said there is a double standard. Then there's Ron DeSantis, who kind of danced around uh, blaming Trump directly, but said that it was rather the but said that the FBI and the Biden DOJ were going against Trump. And then there is a more critical response from Chris Christie and Asa Hutchinson, who have been notable Trump critics. Uh, Christie said that there is a very strong case for indictment, and so that there and believes that there is a lot more information to come, uh, according to him. Uh, and then Asa Hutchinson believes that Trump is guilty, and uh, believe and that Trump is guilty, and that he could potentially even face jail time. So there, are, so there are multiple. Uh, responses to Trump's indictment. However, overall, it seems like the minority of them are directly attacking Trump. Finally, how could these charges hurt Trump in a
0: general election, assuming he wins the GOP nomination again for the third time? Well, we haven't really
5: seen polling uh, since this indictment. I think that it'll definitely hurt tr- that it'll hurt Trump's trustworthiness with the American public, especially since he knew that. They He knew that they were classified and that he should turn them over, but he didn't. It also eliminates an attack of Trump where he could where now he can't really attack Biden since Biden was more responsible with his classified documents so I think that it will hurt Trump because it it will hurt Trump's trustworthiness and maybe make him seem more shady so but I don't think i think at the end of the day this really will have a small impact. I think that If he is a Republican nominee, Republicans will still show up for Trump. So I really, so I think at the end of the day, it has some impact, but I think, but I think most of his damage has already been done with independents and swing voters. And I think at the end of the day, that's really what, I think at the end of the day, what's really going to hurt him has already been done past this indictment.
0: Noah Gutfleisch, thank you. That'll be it for our program today. You can follow Talking Points during the summer break on Twitter and Instagram at Talking Points TP and Citrus TV News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. On behalf of the entire Talking Points crew, I'm Benjamin Schiller.